Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast. I am your host, Tommy Evans-Barton. I am here, as always, with my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing all right. <laughs> Things are going okay. Surviving. Okay Various. enough. <laughs> okay enough. I'm still here. <laughs> hey, and we're still here to talk about the Packers this offseason. A little segue there from a professional podcaster such as myself. We will be here every single week talking about the offseason. I know, right? <laughs> we'll be here every week talking about the offseason. Last week, we talked a little bit about the Packers front seven, reviewing how they did this year, how the positions look going forward, and what the plan is for the Packers with free regards to free agency and the draft. We're going to be doing one of those for each set of position groups. Today, we'll be talking about the secondary corners and safeties next week. Uh, we're going to break up the offense. We haven't exactly decided how that's going to go yet, especially with the whole Aaron Rodgers situation playing out. But that is content for another day. Like I said, we will be here talking about the corners and safeties. And just a couple tidbits before we go on to that. Uh, Dad, we, we said we weren't going to do too much news, but I guess we might as well. You know, we're already naturally segueing into it. Couple head coach or A couple assistant coach hirings around the NFL have some impact on the Packers. Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur's brother, who at times was rumored to be a coaching candidate with the Packers, has been hired as an offensive coordinator for the Rams. And then Nathaniel Hackett, former Denver Broncos head coach and Packers offensive coordinator, has been hired as the offensive coordinator for the Jets. So maybe some movement for Aaron Rodgers on that front, Dad? Maybe? Maybe? Maybe. We can, I, we can always speculate. I love that, speculating. Uh, it's my favorite the, thing. The Jets are positioning themselves. And, you know, Robert Sala said he they're looking for a veteran quarterback. So, But anyway, this is not the Rodgers episode. We'll get there when we get there. This is doing another one of our positional breakdowns where we talk about each player, how we think they played this year, what their contract looks like, what their future holds, and then talk a little bit about how we thought the coaching went for these position groups and what needs to change going forward for improvement-wise and how big of a need this is for the draft. Like I said, we're talking secondary today. And Dad, should we just get into it? Yeah, let's get started. Uh, start with the corners. You wanna you wanna kick us off? Yeah, sure. I'll kick us off. Lots of lots of players to get through, and we'll start with the corners. And we'll start with Jair Alexander, the Packers' star, second team All Pro corner. And if you haven't heard one of our position breakdowns before, we're gonna talk a little bit about their stats, etc. Um, we get all of these stats from either Pro Football Reference or PFF. Thanks to them for that. So just a little hat tip there. But Jair Alexander, going into next year, is going to be 26 years old by the start of the season, going into the sixth year of his career. Made second team All-Pro this past year, which is pretty neat, uh, like I said right before. Overall this year, Dad, I feel like Jair had a good but not quite great year, in my opinion. And I'll go over a little bit of that, more so because we've seen the heights that he can reach. We've seen how good he can be, especially two years ago when I would argue he was the best corner in the league. But let's just kind of deep dive into how he played this year. He played 16 games. Uh, it's more like 15 because he only played about six snaps against Tampa. Lined up at outside corner 798 times and in the slot just 23 times. So they played him pretty much essentially only in the slot or only outside. He was targeted 71 times, allowing 43 receptions, so that's a 60.6% completion percentage allowed, which would be around the 30s, mid-30s amongst corners in the NFL, ranked around the 30s, which not great, not horrible, uh, amongst corners playing at least 50% of cover snaps, that is, for 572 yards, which is the most since his second year in the league, which is another reason I think he had a good but not quite great year. He gave up a lot of yards at times, and we can talk a little bit about why that was, but there, there's there's definitely reasons beyond just Jair's play, but also allowed two touchdowns, but he did have eight pass breakups and a career-high five interceptions. A lot more opportunistic from Jair this year than in previous years. Lots of actually holding onto the ball, although last year, no, two years ago, he did have 14 pass breakups, which was just incredible, so a little bit less plays on the ball. PFF yeah. had, them, had him with their third highest coverage grade amongst corners this whole entire year. And he did allow a 66.2 passer rating into his coverage, which would be the fourth in the league amongst corners playing at least 50% of the snaps. Dad, overall, the numbers, very good from Jair. I think, to me, it's just that 
he was really good, but then there were times in certain games where it seemed like he was just really inconsistent and gambling a lot. That's at least how I felt about his season. Really good stats, really good season, was rewarded with a second team All-Pro. But I feel like there's another level that he can get to where he can be even better. Yeah, I feel like you know, um, that he actually, as you said, gambled a little bit more. Like the Chicago game, for for instance, yep. where he's trying to jump the route and then getting burned because and and was that a coaching decision did is he just doing that on his own and then there's you we also had this like situation where it seems like a a scheme coaching decision to play off on um third and slightly less third than and, your whatever you're playing third off and, third and anything and you just play <laughs> five yards beyond the sticks it's amazing just right just just close on it just click and close it it's like okay sure like that makes sense i guess but it, yeah, I, I feel like, and like you mentioned, the Chicago game where he got burned a few times, the ones that I was thinking of, that was a really good pull. That was the second Chicago game. The ones I was thinking of were the Washington game where right at the end of the game, Terry McLaurin beats him like three different times to pretty much ice that game. Um, the Cowboys game where he allowed, according to PFF, eight catches on 12 targets, which is a pretty poor game all in all. And, you know, the thing is for each one of those, there's also like a game against the Vikings where he completely clamps down Justin Jefferson for an entire game. Oh man, and, this, that's one of the worst games of his career, I think. You know, in terms of how much he was shut out. I think he got the All Pro nod almost exclusively from that <laughs> game. Like, I'm not even joking. Like that that game almost entirely, I think, is like what a lot of people were picturing in their mind when they voted for him for All Pro team. And he had a lot of nice games, but I just think that there was a lot more inconsistency than there was two years ago. Remember, last year he was hurt most of the year, so that's almost an entirely lost yeah. year. Right? kind of a wash exactly but two years ago when he was like pretty much the best corner in the league or arguably the best corner in the league you didn't see as many like fluctuations there you pretty much just saw lockdown play the entire time um other than that though it is nice to see him play around 16 games after being hurt so much last year um and like like i said the stats and the accolades are all still really good it's just when you actually watch him play you feel like there's another level like he can get to yeah, I think he can still um, have a be better than he was this year. Yeah, and honestly, it, like you said, I don't know if it's coaching or not. And contract wise, like he's definitely going to be here next year. He signed a four year, eighty four million dollar off season just this last or extension. Sorry, just this last off season, which at the time was the highest contract for a corner in the league history. He's going to count twenty four million against the cap in twenty twenty three, and they can restructure his contract this off season to save nine point three. Wouldn't be surprised if they did. And my thoughts on him going forward is, like, he's Jair. He's really, really good. They just need him to, like, play great and play a little more consistently. And I think, honestly, like you said, I'm coming around to, like, most importantly, that the coaching staff needs to put him in more positions to succeed. Let him travel with the number one a lot more than they had this year. They pretty much only let him do it in, like, two or three games. Um, And then just let him press more because that's when he's the best is when he's getting hands on the guy. And just let him give him a little more freedom to go down to the line of scrimmage and play a little more physically, I think is my biggest takeaway from just looking at like this year compared to two years ago as I think they just need to let him, let him press more and let him, let him, let your star players like be star players, let them use their skill set. Right. I mean, I think that's the difference between the first Minnesota game and the second Minnesota game. Oh yes. I think that's the biggest illustration right? of this, of this thing is in one game, they, they just said, okay, we'll figure it out. You're not going to travel and they got absolutely annihilated. And then the next game, lo and behold, you put your best players on the other team's best players, and it gets you some pretty good results. Yep. So I think that's what yeah, we'd like to see more of next year. Will they learn from you know how they finish the year and do it all year next year? I guess we could talk about that a little bit at the end of the end of the section. Yeah, and but, do you want? Uh, should we go on to? Because I feel like for Jair, it's a pretty simple conversation. Like. He was really good this year. I think he could be even better. The coaching staff needs to help him a little more. But overall, he's definitely going to be here, and I don't have too many questions about him. The next player, though, I do have some more questions about and I think is a lot more murky going into next year. It is very murky for a number of reasons. Um, yeah, so he... So shall I Shall I go on? Yeah, I talk about, uh, yeah Eric, let's Eric talk Stokes? about Eric Stokes because this so is a tough the, one. So, right. So he was in his second year this past year. He's... Um, 24 years old to start of next season, but he only played nine games because of what they called a knee and ankle injury. And we've never really gotten clarity on what that is to have any idea of how long we might expect him to be out. We never learned at all. 
He just got put on IR. Injury and he's out for the. I mean, then he immediately went on IR. They didn't even say that he was going to be out for the season or not. Just on IR, the an ankle. And there was for all we no, know he likes got a major ligament tear, but they just didn't say anything. And there was no reporting on. There was no reporting on any details on this entry, which is crazy yeah. because in the year of and, like tw- the year of 2022, we can't figure out. Like no one even this seemed is to show Packers. To uh, you know, but not it's not reveal. even. It's not even that. It's just weird because like. We knew Rashawn Gary tore his ACL the next day. We knew David ba- when ba- David Bakhtiari tore his ACL in practice the day he did it. We knew all these things, and then we never learned you know what how- happened to Eric Stokes. Do you remember how long it took to learn what exactly Rogers' knee injury was? But the thing is, he was playing. That's different. He was playing. There's an advantage to not telling telling your yes. opponent what the injury is. There's no advantage when you know Eric Stokes is going to be out the but year. But there also was very little information on... All of Bakhtiari's like extra surgeries and, and uh, setbacks and things, but we that knew, they didn't tell us about. But we knew he had a torn. We knew what the initial injury was. We never yes. learned what the initial injury. We just heard ankle and knee, and that it yep. looked bad. It wasn't even. It wasn't even televised. We never even saw a replay of this. Oh, injury. I've never seen it. That's right. It's like we don't want to. Re- we don't want to show a replay of this because it's so gruesome. Yeah, and it right? was Is not on was? TV. It was not so, televised. Yeah, never know what they that never saw like. the replay. They never told us what the injury was. It was super bizarre. But Dad, let's let's talk a little bit about what we let's do go. know right. about so Eric he, Stokes. He, Is that he was sophomore slumping hard this year before the injury? Yeah. So he only played the nine games. So it's like that 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 Detroit um, AstroTurf just. That's was so dumb. Gary for the second half of the season. Yeah. He was targeted 25 times, allowed 21 receptions, 84%. Oof. Yeah, that's bad. Completion rate for 275 yards, one TD, zero picks, and I didn't realize he had zero pass breakups no on the year. No pass breakups on the year. Not a single one. And when you compare that to last year, I mean, last year he was the number one corner on this team pretty much for the whole year after Jair got hurt against Pittsburgh. Yeah, and, and, he, he, and he delivered as a rookie. He was great. He was the number one corner on a, a playoff defense. He allowed, so this year he allowed 84% completion percentage with no pass breakups. And then last year he allowed a 51% completion percentage on way more targets with nine pass breakups. Just a complete fall off of like his ability at the catch point. I don't know what happened. I don't either. And I don't know if that was a stylistic thing. This is the part where the whole defense was a mess. Yes. Bad communication, um, s- playing soft coverage at the, off the snap. And he never got to experience the second half of the season when they started playing a different style. That's anyway, a good point. But That's he allowed a, a passer rating of 125.8 into his coverage. Yeah. The 10th worst in the league for any corner playing over 20% of the snaps. Yikes. And also, yeah, and also I was going to say, he struggled tackling. He has a yeah. like run defense grade plummeted to a little bit below average last year to must be near rock bottom for qualifying players. I mean, he um, missed 16, he missed 16% of his tackles. Like he missed like almost between like, he missed like around like one in seven, one in eight tackles, like, or no, one in seven, one in five, like one in seven, one in six tackles. Like that's really bad. Like that's bad. And that's, that's like one or two a game. And it's crazy because he, he wasn't a great tackler, but more so the coverage stuff is worrying to me because I think a lot of people write this year off and it's like, oh, he was hurt, but he was really bad before he got hurt. He was really struggling. No pass breakups. That's in, that's incredible to me. Not a single PPU. You know, I, on as the I, I'd have to look at this, uh, the, pa- the pass breakup distribution for the players who played the full year. And how many of them? Because I don't think we had very many for the team. I was going to say he did not. He he did not benefit. Like he played he, only he, when the defense was awful. Like he was he only may there. not have been that far behind the other defensive backs in pass breakups for the first eight weeks of the year because we were playing so far off. Nobody's getting a pass breakup. We here's, weren't in position to to break up a pass. Here's and the thing: that was I would, the entire secondary. I would agree with you if he had one or two. He had zero on twenty five targets. And allowed 21 catches. Like, that's that's horrible. That's 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 terrifying. That's despicable. And he was <laughs> so good last year. And I think part of the thing that also worries me is with this injury, I mean, this is a very speed-based player. Like, he runs like a 4-2-something, and a lot of his success in his first year was based on that speed. If he can't get the speed back, that's worrying and obviously we don't want to worry about that too much because there's nothing we can do and there's no way to know but i do think 
like you said, he did suffer a bit from the same problems that Jair did, where the coaching staff didn't put him into a good a, a situation to succeed. And I think not letting him press as much, he was a very good press corner at Georgia, not letting him just like press turn and turn and bail, which his speed would allow him to do, making him play off. I mean, it's just another example of, you know, maybe he does turn it around if he plays the second half of the year when they're letting them play more press coverage. Well, we won't know. He was the worst of their corners pretty much statistically, like even with, but yeah. I I don't want to like say it's all entirely on him because I do think coaching had something to do with it. But yeah, I think it's just another thing where he really struggled. The defense really struggled. The coaching didn't put him in a good situation, but then he didn't acquit himself well either. Like it wasn't, it was kind of a combination of things, but at the same time, he was so much worse his second year than his first year, which is just crazy because he's going against number two receivers in his second year. Right, because Jair out there. But I was looking at some of the uh, some of the teammates. Like the first eight weeks, I think Jair only had a pass breakout in two of those games. He had two games with three H, but the other six were zeros. And Rasul, the first uh, eight weeks, first uh, he only had. Like the first six weeks, he only had one pass breakup, and then he had three in the week seven, and none again on week eight. So nobody was getting their hands on the ball. Well, so he played. Well, Stokes played those eight weeks. So you're telling me Jair had six pass breakups, and Douglas had four, and Stokes had none, and Stokes had none, and got benched, off. and got benched, which we haven't even talked about. He got benched for a short amount of time in one game, right? And then they they put uh, Savage. Now, I'm just trying to remember the order because Savage came in at nickel. No, this was different. And then Savage got hurt immediately on, on play one. No, this was a different one. That, this was, was that later? That was when Savage was benched. That's very different. That was like late in the year. We're talking I guess, about, I'm talking I guess about that was when, later in the year. I'm talking about when Stokes was benched. They put, right. uh, they put Keyshawn who, who, in, I think, and moved Douglas outside. Moved Douglas outside. Okay, that's what they did. I was trying if to I remember, remember correctly. That, what was the, yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I believe that's what I think. It's either they put Keyshawn in or they moved Savage down to slot and then put Rudy Ford in. But I, I'm pretty sure it was the first one. But anyway, so the coaching staff was clearly having at least some trouble getting him to perform how they getting him to play how they wanted him to play. Although I don't think they, if I remember correctly, they only benched him for a series and then they put him back in. Um, but it's just so I, it's I think it's just that they maybe needed him to like settle down into the coverage a little more, less so like a not not like a punishment, but more like hey. You're, the performance is not good right now. We need you to like get locked get in right now. Yeah, not not that he was like like doing anything like bad, just not playing well. They like, just need him to get we, focused yeah. out there. An attention getter, exactly. Because because man, he really struggled this year, and and it's tough yeah. because when you look at the Packers secondary room with Jair Stokes and Douglas, who we're about to talk about, I think we got three outside corners for two spots, and I don't really know what you yeah. do there. So this is something to talk about as well. So. Um, and, and, and they're all under contract for, for he's like, Stokes is on his rookie contract. So he's still got two years left at least. And the opportunity for a fifth year option. Cause he's a first rounder. Um, so he's going to be around. Hopefully he's yep. gonna, we don't know how, how long it's going to take him to be healthy from that injury. Yeah. Um, Douglas has so, two more on his contract and then Jair has four more on his contract. So kind of have it locked in for the next few years right and we were thinking this this uh, you know position group was finally locked up and we had um, excellent options everywhere in depth but uh it's just they do they have good players it's just they don't have they don't have they have three guys for two spots and i guess they thought yeah. that they could get douglas to place so i guess so how do you feel about Stokes this year, Dad, just to kind of wrap up Stokes? Because I think for Jair, we felt like, hey, could have been better, but he was still pretty good. For Stokes, it's like, man, I really thought he was going to be better, and he was not good, and now he's hurt. That's a little scary for me. It's a little scary right now. It's like, was that was was uh, sophomore year what he really is? And the quarterbacks just realized, like, he can't hit a curveball. Yeah. it's it's <laughs> Is it one of those things where, like, once there was a sufficient amount of tape and people were like, oh, like, he can't do this or was it uh, an artifact of the way Barry was setting up the defense and I'm going to tell you that's not going to I don't think that changes next year Barry's going to be back like it's for anyone been... still holding out hope that Barry gets fired it's not going to happen it's done it's been too long it's been too it's been long too after long. the season ended yes they would they would be so far behind the eight ball of DC interviews at this point there's no way um 
beyond that though i mean they just they need him to get healthy and they they invested a first round pick in him they need him to be good they need him to you know and i would take him being just as good as he was as a rookie he was a, he was great as a rookie yeah, i thought he doesn't, i thought he was great we don't as a need rookie. to see improvement over that i would like hopefully we can get back to that exactly but uh but should I go on to uh, yeah? So let's go on. We're working our way through the to, corner group. Next is Rasul, which I'll take real quick. He will be twenty. Rasul Douglas will be twenty-eight by the start of next season, going into his seventh year in the league. This past year, he played all seventeen games, lining up at outside corner uh, six hundred twelve times and slot one hundred ninety-eight times, which uh, he had the second most uh, snaps in the slot for the team. He was targeted 73 times, allowing 49 receptions for 536 yards and four touchdowns. 67.1% completion percentage is around 45th in the league. Um, and he's another player where from last year to this year, he just wasn't quite as good. And he was so good last year that it's kind of hard to match that. So I don't think it's as big of an issue to me as Stokes' drop-off from first to second year. But you compare this year allowing 67% of his targets to end in catches. Last year, it was all the way down in 51%, which is super elite. Right. And This is did- the thing that, you know, if you bring up um, Douglas last year, it's like, oh, well, it's just fluky. He got a few pick sixes and interceptions that boosted his rating because it was count a lot. But his pass breakup rate, his completion rate into his coverage um, were, were also excellent. I mean, he was on such a ridiculous... Like, he was on a ridiculous heater last year. Because he did have... So he had seven pass breakups and four picks this year. Which is, like, very solid. Very respectable. Last year, he had seven pass breakups and five picks in, like, seven less games. Which is, like, an absurd... Like, he was so ridiculously locked in. And just that that level of, like... He might as well just, like, he was getting heat check pick sixes. Like, he had three <laughs> picks in one game, I think it was. Or, two no, two picks in one game against Cleveland. Like, he he was really, really, really good last year. And, honestly, still pretty good this year. My one concern, though, with Douglas, beyond all that, is... So, oh, and the other thing was he allowed a passer rating of 84 into his coverage this year. 46 last year, which is stupid elite. Um... And personally, though, I like we were talking about, I just don't know if he can play the slot. I don't know if any of these three guys who are their top three guys can play the slot. He had the most snaps in the slot of the three of these guys. Keyshawn Nixon actually had the most on the team. Um, uh, however, if you just look at PFF coverage grade, I think I feel like, I don't know how you feel. I feel like watching the games, he was not nearly as good in the slot as he was outside. But if you look at PFF coverage grades, he played the majority of his snaps in the slot in weeks 1, 2, 5, 6, 7, and 8 with an average coverage grade of 62.3 in those games. Remember, PFF grades aren't perfect, but this is just something to keep in mind. In all the other games, he had an average coverage grade of 65.3. So he was better, but not not that much better outside yeah, than he was uh, inside. That's almost statistical noise at that point. I mean, three points is like it's not it's not super significant. It's it's better, that, but that's that like, like a few. Just, is that just what is that? It's two like plays? Of, no, no, it's probably like like five or six plays. It's a handful of plays, but it's it's not so many where I'm like, wow, he was so much better outside. Because watching the games, I don't know about you, I felt like watching the games was like, wow, he's so much better outside. And then at least for PFF grades, they have them pretty similar. So I don't know how you felt. He did about have that. a couple times where he got, um, I think, beat by speed on the perimeter. Which yeah. probably dragged down, you know, a couple big plays, I think, dragged down his outside grade. Yeah, and, you know, switching from slot to outside, there were probably also some communication issues, something to keep in mind. Um, just you play in a new position, you have to communicate. <sighs> he definitely a, had a lot of – I wasn't trying to say. He had a, a lot of communication issues this year. Rasul in particular, I feel like, just watching the games had so many – Pointing. Like, so much pointing, like teammates pointing at each other, where, like, 80% of the time, one of them was Rasul, and I was like, Rasul – Here's a lot of these, buddy. (laughs) In some of those games, how did PFF assign blame? Blame on a defender because everybody's pointing at each other. Nobody's never near the receiver. How do you decide who who screwed up? Well, do you remember the the Waddle like ninety yard touchdown where Rasul like Jair's like saying like trying to pass off Waddle to Rasul and Rasul just keeps running and then turns and while he's running he's like watching Waddle run right by him and I'm just like I'm gonna go with that was on you, buddy and then. 
but yeah, so stuff like that, I think Rasul, the, the missed miscommunications happened a few times and, uh, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's the big thing, but like, you know, overall, I think it was a fine year. It was, it was unrealistic to expect the same level as he played last year. Uh, I think he played to the point where the contract isn't bad. And let's talk, yeah. talking a little bit about the contract. He did sign a three year, $21 million, uh, contract this off season as a free agent, uh, to sign with the Packers after playing with them last year. Um, I think it can go all the way up to 25 million if he hits certain incentives. Not very much of it is guaranteed though. And they could restructure it this off season and save 2 million, or they could cut him post June 1st and save 6 million. I'm not really advocating for that. It's something I think that would be like a last ditch. Like they, if they really need to save money, they could maybe do it and it wouldn't be the worst thing, but you're not going to get a better player for that much money. So no, that's more of a blowing the whole thing up kind of move. Or is it a, we have three corners, like, well, then you trade one. That's true. You and don't cut one. And Rasul would probably be the one you trade because Stokes off injury, you can't. And Jair would be, I think, foolish to trade. Yeah, insane. Yeah, and just, I mean, you probably you maybe get two first for him, but is that even worth it? Like, I don't know. Um, Because they that, those two firsts, they could be anything. <laughs> they could be Jair Alexander. <laughs> they could Alexander. be a quarter. They could be, be Jair Alexander. They could be Jair Alexander. I love that. That mystery box <laughs> thing is one of the funniest things on the internet to me. Um, but, Dad, so now that we've talked about the Packers' big three corners, how are, how do you feel about Rasul this year? And then how do you feel about those three corners in particular going forward? Because those, I think we have a, one or two more corners that we could talk about briefly in Keyshawn Nixon and Shamar John Charles, which we'll touch on briefly. But I think these are the big three we want to talk about because they're the ones that are locked up each for at least two more years. Um, and they're the ones that got to figure out how to get them to play together because you've invested a lot of capital in these players. Yeah, so I would say the way I kind of felt about it is – that the beginning of the year looked like, oh, was signing uh, this result of this long-term contract a mistake? Mm-hmm. Um, but then it seemed like second half of the year, things started to come together. Um, and you could see, okay, he's, he's, he's beginning to play, cl- it seemed like anyway, to the eye, closer to what they expected. You couldn't possibly expect it. He was going to get, you know, five picks in seven games with what how many well how many pick sixes i think he technically played like 12 games last year and had five picks two pick sixes a game-winning pick against the cardinals and like allowed a ridiculous yeah like we said a lot of ridiculous like passer rating etc etc like that was an absurd things you couldn't things you can't necessarily count on yeah and it's like We'll talk about this, and I think when we get to Savage, but it's like I almost think the best opportunity, like chances, like maybe see if Douglas can play safety, play Savage down in the slot, and then just see what happens. I don't, I don't really know. I think it's tough. Yeah, that's I'm kind of thinking about Savage in the slot, and let's talk about that when we get to safeties about what they're going to do there, and uh, you know, do you do you uh, move Rasul? We'll have to see what uh, Stokes' health looks like and how quickly he can come back. Yeah, another think- thing we thought of, you know, coming into this year is that we had our top three corners seemed really solid. We were set. And maybe our depth wasn't so good. Then we had the first half, like the part of the year is like, our top three corners aren't playing well at all. But we have like, a, 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 our next one's actually doing okay. Yeah, and so the next one that i uh, talk about briefly is Keyshawn Nixon, who, famous for being a first-team all-pro kick returner, was also not terrible at corner. He wasn't great. He wasn't even, I would say, good. But I would say he's a very solid fourth corner. Um, the one downside is he can only really play slot. Played about six real games at corner, playing 244 snaps in the slot and nine snaps outside. And I forgot to mention, he will be 26 years old at the start of next season going into the fifth year, his fifth year in the league. He was targeted 28 times, allowing 22 receptions, which is not great, 78.6% completion percentage for 214 yards, no touchdowns though. Had one pick, no pass breakups, Allowed an 83.6 pass rating into his coverage, which, like we said before, is about the same as Rasul allowed, if I remember correctly, this past year. Uh, yeah, pretty much the same as Rasul allowed. So, kind of, it's not a great passer rating allowed, but it's about the same as the guy they're paying. Um, he did also, though, struggle with tackling, much like uh, Stokes did. Uh, 14.3% missed tackle rate, which is 
Not very good, especially for a slot corner when that guy's going to need to help in the run game. I did think he hit pretty hard, but didn't always get his man on the grounds. Yeah, um, I, think, I thought he wasn't, wasn't afraid to stick his nose in there. He just uh, maybe just didn't wrap up. Or... Yeah, it's it's still whatever whatever he was doing was not working, and he was even worse on tackling last year um, with the Raiders. He had a twenty two percent missed tackle rate and a lot more limited role. So small sample size, but back to back years where he wasn't a very good tackler. Uh, despite being a core yeah, special but, team. And, and, and also, I think we knew coming in that he had played some corner for the Raiders and was okay in the slot and bad on the perimeter. Yeah. Um, we already knew that coming in, that he might be able to give us some um, slot snaps, but nothing on the perimeter. Yeah. That and, would... and he's, he, I thought he was fine in the slot. Like I was saying, like he's not a great corner, but he's good enough as a fourth guy. He's good enough. He's good enough for a fourth corner. He's better than than other fourth corners they've the, had. The only qualm I better have than with other him, third corners they've had that better than other second corners they've had. Honestly, <laughs> like when Ladarius Gunter was their number one corner, I don't remember who the other guy was. I could not tell you who the second guy was. Um, beyond that, though, the only downside I see with having him as a fourth corner is he can't play outside. But you do have a bevy of outside corners ahead of him, right. so it's not the worst thing. Um, and, and it's also not his only job on the team. Exactly. That was his only job on the team, and all he could do was play corner and play inside. Then he might be a little more. And you know, that kind of brings us going. brings us to the next part because he was he he was so good as a kick returner. I don't care how good he was as a corner. And, exactly. Yeah. And th- that's kind of the crux of the argument is he was so good at that they almost need to bring him back. I think he was super electric. They probably, I would say it's fifty fifty on whether or not they bring him back. So he's going to be a free agent. For reference, so I looked this up. In 2021, the first team all-pro kick returner was Braxton Berrios for the Jets. Kind of the offensive version of Keyshawn Nixon in some ways. Like a fine fourth receiver. A fine. A fine fourth corner for Keyshawn Nixon. And last year, he was a free agent and got a two-year $12 million deal from the Jets. Six a year. So food for thought, Dad. I think that would kind of have to be, they probably have to give Keyshawn a little more than that. Like two for thirteen. Uh, how would you feel about that kind of contract for Keyshawn Nixon? Show me the money. You're gonna, you're gonna show, show me <laughs> the money. Show me the money. Yes, so you'd, you'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that. Okay. We went from dumpster fire inside a tire fire, being hit by a burning train, to twenty second in the league, and that yeah. was really from just the second. Him. Yeah, <laughs> almost entirely just him, and just the second half of the year, him. Yeah. And and there is one thing to note. He came here pretty much only because Rich Bisaccio was here. And if you missed it, Rich Bisaccio was recently interviewed as the head coach, uh, recently interviewed for the head coach position with the Colts. Now, he's not a favorite to get it. But if Colts, he did, don't you want to keep uh, Saturday as your as your coach? I think I think you really want to stick with Jeff Saturday as your coach. Hey, he, if he's playing the Raiders, he can definitely beat him. Um, but yeah, so if they hire Rich Bisaccia, I would imagine Nixon would leave for the Colts. If Bisaccia stays, I would imagine Nixon would be back, would be back on a contract similar to the one Barrios got. And Dad, you'd be you'd be fine with that. I think like I'd be fine with that unless it meant moving on from someone else that was more important but i do think you probably got to bring him back because he was a big reason they were winning games was we were starting with the ball yeah. at the 50 yard line like half the time as opposed to having like i think i forget now but it had to be one of the worst starting field position differentials in the league yes it was awful um in terms of how poor we were at making any getting getting to the 20 on a kickoff Let, forget the 25 we already make oh. it to the 20 they would and, uh, and, they went and then from, stopping the other team from getting to the to the thirty five or forty, and they went from kicking it like pretty much just trying to get us to return it. They wanted us to return it when we had Amari back there, yeah. To kicking it out the end zone as much as they could, or, or squibbing it. And and even when they did kick it into the end zone, um, Keyshawn was like, "Yeah, that's fine. I'll take that back for a touchdown. I'm not, I'm not even worried I'll, about I'll, it. I'll, I'll get an extra. I'll get an extra nine yards in this return. Yeah, and it's amazing how like." Like everything looked better when he was back there too. Like the actual blocking on special teams looked surprisingly good, and I was like, I was like, is this uh, when they showed the like the angle of his touchdown against Minnesota?" And a lot of that is <laughs> Minnesota, Minnesota not covering the kick well at all. But you know, you got to blo- you still got to block him. And I was like, have, "Is this the holes that Amari Rodgers was seeing?" And just <laughs> just is that? Hit the, them? I was going like, to say, was it just always blocked this way, and you uh, just Amari. being able to see where to go? It's like Amari couldn't hit a hole the size of a Mack truck in the middle of the field with a kicker to beat. 
Well, it's hard to when you got to pick the ball back up off the ground. That's oh, hey, low blow, <laughs> low blow, Dad, low blow. Um, but anyway, that kind of wraps up the corner position. There are a few more guys on the roster, but not a whole lot of activity that they had at the corner position. Shamar John Charles is the only one with any real kind of outlook going forward. He's going to be 25 going into next season, third year in the league. Didn't play much of anything but special teams this year. And um, But I did think he looked pretty good in preseason. Uh, I thought he looked very passable in a couple of the preseason games. So I think he is acceptable depth, but he was injured a lot of the year and missed a lot of time. Um, I think it was an ankle injury. And was in a walking boot that for what it was? a lot of the year. Um, but, you know, he's going to be cheap. He's going to be a fifth guy. He looked good in preseason, and that's kind of all you can really hope for from a fifth guy. Beyond that, they've got Corey Ballantyne, Keandre Thomas, a guy named Benji Franklin, who I've honestly not heard of, and that's on me, and Tyrell Ford as their other corners on the roster. I don't know if you have any thoughts on them. Ballantyne is a special teamer. He's, that's his specialty. Um, and, and I think he's the only other one who did. Well, no, he... He got a few snaps on defense. Like a one or two. But nothing I noticed really him because about. I uh, get mentioned a little bit later about just he was not good on defense. Yeah. But those are kind of their corners, Dad. Any thoughts on the position group in general? For me, for overall areas of improvement, just figure out how to get those three big guys on the field at the same time in the positions and in the scheme that best fits them. Because last year, I think it was a failure on the coaching staff to do that. I think it's mostly on the coaching staff. Stokes obviously got to get healthy and got to get better than he was this year. I think I trust Rasul and Jair to be good to great to good enough. Um, But Stokes being better and the coaching staff just putting them in any kind of good position would be amazing. Thank you very much. It seemed to me like the coverage was frustrated with their assignments. Yes. And that we were on the verge of having... And that's a little mutiny. A mutiny, I'm, which is yeah. a, which is one of the reasons why I thought Barry was going to get fired. Yeah, and not I, retained. I 100 agree. Like he had lost. He had lost the group. Yeah, the amount of like frustration you could see on the faces of everyone in the secondary, not just the corners, but I I 100 percent agree that the the secondary looked frustrated, especially in the first half of the year when they were playing so much off. Yes, and I don't blame yes. them. They're giving up 160 yards because they're not within seven yards of the receiver a lot of times because of the way the defense was called, sometimes because the communication was bad. I don't want to put it. It is a lot on Barry, in my opinion. And the fact that the team seemed to be like pretty fed up with the way the defense was being called is a pretty bad indictment of him. I'm still very surprised that he's back. I don't really yeah. understand it. But, so, I mean, but they got to communicate. And they the got to communicate better. But they got to communicate better, too. It's yeah. not, ju- it's not well, entirely that's, on Barry. That's, that's true. That is but coaching also, though. That's still coaching. Yeah. You know, coaching isn't just designing the scheme and telling players where to go. It's teaching them how to do the play that you're telling them to do. That's true. That's a good point. And so it's a failure of teaching and not just design. Yeah. So it's, and it, both are failed. And that's true. And speaking of communication, like you said, we can move on to the safeties now. They had to communicate a lot with the safeties, and that didn't often go well either. Um, nope. It's like they weren't in the same room. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, do you want to kick us off with the safeties? So, yeah, so I'll start, uh, with Adrian Amos. So he's going to be 30 in April. Yeah. Had eight years in the league, four with the Bears and now four with the Packers. Um, he led the team in defensive snaps with 977, which has kind of been his thing. It's like, uh, most games in his career with the Packers, he's on for a hundred percent of the snaps. Yeah. Hardly ever leaves the field. Um, he had one sack, one Interception, only two pass breakups. Career low PFF grade, especially in coverage. By far his worst with Green Bay. And only 79th out of 89 qualifying safeties. I didn't realize it was that bad. 79th of 89? And a lot of that is the Packers. It's not even, actually, I was going to say a lot of it is the Packers defense wasn't great. They had an okay pass defense. So the fact that he was all the way at 79th is pretty, pretty Yeah, so they had a really good passing defense. And I guess maybe it was okay by PFF as well. DVOA liked their pass defense and rated it much better. Of course, of course, it rated better than run defense. Yeah, but but even it was like Not top ten. To. It was like top ten pass defense by DVOA. Um, his passer rating against. I had to double check this. I have this right. Um, hundred twenty two. Goodness. Ouch. Yeah. Him and him and Stokes were kind of just. Uh, it, it's tough because I think for those 
for those players, especially Amos, a lot of times it's like, well, he's in the right position, so they're not really throwing it at him. But when they do, they're they're they are still getting those completions. But I I don't think that was not the case this year because he was a yeah. he was clearly a lot worse this year than he had been the past oh, yeah. three years. If you compare the, his average his first three years, the Green Bay is that was eighty two passer rating. Um, against his coverage now is like 122 and that was more like his rookie year and second year with chicago were not actually that great um they were like 117 127 i think and his run defense was also a slight decline but not the worst of his career and then his tackling was kind of up and down he had three really terrible games mm-hmm. but then like 12 of the games were elite or well above average um so the the big thing i think that i you'd say like really deteriorated was his coverage um, this year compared to the first three years, where we were just like really reliable, be in this place, make the coverage, make plays. Um, and and so I was before this, I was like, oh, well, they should probably extend him to ease the cap hit and then have him for another couple of years. His contract has now run out, though he's going to count seven point nine five million against the cap from the the void years coming due now that the that the contract has run out. Yeah, so not um, nothing. That's like a decently substantial amount. That's a substantial amount. Spot track, Spot track currently has his market value as six point eight million, um, which might be a little high uh, as age. It's possible he could be he could even be signed to the Packers and cost less against this year's cap, but then have more dead money in twenty four and twenty or twenty five instead of on this year if they sign him for probably not six point eight or if it's six point eight then they tack on another you know, a couple of void years to have it count. So, so he could be, he could actually reduce the cap hit and play for the Packers this year if they want him back. Yeah. Um, said my thoughts on the performance overall, essentially he seemed to like, like fall off a cliff this year. Yeah. After being so reliable for green Bay. And it was, uh, it was kind of shocking really to see. Like, yeah. And, uh, that was really one of the, I think biggest problems in, in the defense. Yeah. And there's, I think there's, a, I think there's a small chance they could bring him back. I don't know if they're going to want to with the, his play not with being so much different than it was the previous th- three years. But I think it could be done and actually save money on this coming year's cap. Maybe it's not going to want to come back. It's like, no, that that sucked and that made me look bad. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to play that again. I mean, yeah, and it just, it's just, it's just making me look worse than I've ever looked before. Yeah, he, he just, may not want to be back. And the thing is, like. I, I love Amos, and I really wanted them to extend him this past offseason. He's a captain on the defense, like really important to like the culture of the secondary. But I mean, he was just not good. He just wasn't very good this year. I don't know what to say. Like he was, he was below average. I'm pretty. I, I hate to say this, but I'm kind of glad they didn't extend him last offseason. It's it. I think the fact that he's 30, the fact that he was as bad this year as he like as he was, and. I don't think you can bring him back reasonably because it's just, I think it's time to move on, which is a little scary because we're going to talk about this in a bit. The corner position, I feel fine in. The safety position is in massive flux. Like, Amos oh, falling oh yeah. off a cliff. And, as, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit more about, uh, we, and uh, we in, in terms of that flux, let's move on to, uh, yes, we've got well, the position as a whole. I just want to talk more a little bit more on Amos. Um, it's... It's hard because he's been very good, but I think we're getting to the point where like this version of the Packers, like the players on this team are starting to get phased out. Like the version of the Packers that like that 2019, 2020, 2021 run, that was a run. It was a good run. You went 39 and nine. You couldn't quite get it over the finish line. And I think this is starting to become the time where some of those players from that set of teams are going to start going out the door. We've already lost a few of them. Already got lost. Billy Turner already lost Z already lost um cory lindsley cory lindsley exactly he was kind of a little bit of a bridge between the previous (laughs) and this one but yeah same idea um devante exactly already lost devante and how how did i forget that one um but yeah so it's just i think gonna be one of those things bulaga um although he's a bit of a and no we lost him before before the little years that was a bad call um but yeah so it just seems like one of those things where certain players it's gonna be really hard like amos to see go but he didn't look as good this year. He didn't look quite worth what they were paying him. They definitely shouldn't be paying him as much as they did this past year. The void hit is going to be a little painful, but I think it's for the best they didn't extend him. But like you were saying, things in flux. 
We're gonna be losing. We're probably gonna be losing Amos, and if even if you bring him back, there's no guarantee he's gonna be any good next year. And this next guy, he's gonna be back next year, but there's no guarantee he's even gonna be playing safety. And that's Darnell Savage. Like we don't even know where he's gonna play. Right. And this, we don't know who our starting either of our starting safety is gonna be next year. Yeah, and that's correct. Because so Savage, 25 years old, four years in the league, going into his fifth year. Um, he played safety. This year, he tried to play safety this year. Um, and the reason we're saying both safeties are positions are in flux, like we said with Amos. And then Savage, like, he got benched for Rudy Ford, who was signed off the street in, like, August. And eventually worked his way back into playing slot corner. They got three corners already. So I don't know if that spot is open for him. They need to have him back next year because that fifth-year option is fully guaranteed that they accepted. Um, but some of his stats from this past year, he had 819 snaps um, with, a, like we said, a super increase in the slot in the second half of the year after playing almost exclusively free safety in the first nine um, nine games and then played majority of snaps the rest of the way. So they pretty much at like the 10-game mark were like, oh, shoot, yeah, like this guy can't yeah, play maj- safety. Majority of snaps in the slot. Yeah, last, that's last, that's what I meant. Uh, Sorry if I yeah. if I said differently. But they they pretty much said after like ten games, like, wow, this guy can't play safety. We'd rather have this guy we signed off the street to a one year deal, who was like never really played safety. It was mostly a gu- we get brought in to be a gunner, and he was a great gunner, Rudy Ford, to play safety instead of him because he'd been playing that poorly. And um, I know Joe Barry and them. Um, oh, let's let me just go through the stats and then we'll talk a little bit. He had the lowest graded um, regular season in uh, secondary by PFF. Uh, on the team. Um, and he was also 88th of 89 qualifying safeties. So not just on the team, in the league, the lowest graded. Um, uh, yeah, so so the lowest graded by PFF of anybody who played any decent amount of snaps on the Packers. The only guy who was worse was Ballantyne, who only played 17 snaps. But yeah, 88th out of 89 qualifying safeties in the, in the league. And he's had his two worst years by far under Barry. Um, worst PFF grade of his career this past year with his worst tackling and his worst coverage grade by a lot. 43.8 as a coverage grade. And obviously grades are not a perfect science, but just to indicate um, some of the drop off that you could also see just watching the games, 43.8 grade versus his first three years being 76, 74 and 61 um, had one pick four pass breakups, but allowed a hundred point seven QB uh, passer rating against um, which was better than last year. Um, but you know, just watching him play, like it was a real struggle for him. He was, I thought much better in the slot. And I know Barry, uh, said that he like took the benching really well and like put his head down and really came and worked and got his spot back, got a spot back, kind of playing some safety, playing some slot. And I thought he was much better in the slot. Um, but there's not really room for him. There's not really room for him in the slot, dad. Like, I don't like if he's playing in the slot, are we moving? That was what we were saying. Maybe you move Rasul back to, to safety. And then hopefully Stokes gets healthy. And then you played Savage in the slot and you find another safety in the draft. And that's what you do. But I, I don't know if that's a great fix because, you know, that's assuming Rasul can play safety. Like, that's a big assumption to make. Not everyone's yeah. Tremont Williams. I, that's, that's only been a guess, though. I've heard people say that they've, he's worked out at it before. They played Rasul at safety some in preseason. But we're focusing yeah, on Savage right now. He is going to be back next year, coming back on his fifth-year option, Seven point nine million guaranteed in twenty twenty three. He's just he really struggles with communication, being in the right spot, blown co- lots of blown coverages this year. So many blown coverages, and I think that was the big reason why he got benched. It's because he just kept he kept blown coverages. People just kept getting behind him, and it's a it's a big problem. And here is the question: his Tackling was horrific. That's true. Yeah, he can't tackle the first half of the year. I mean, just like I think he caught. I think he threw an air ball on, um, yeah, on 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 Allen. Josh Allen. Yes, I remember that. Game. I was trying to remember. He I was just, like, there was, was one where way. it was one of the worst tackles I've ever seen in my entire life. And well, Allen just walks into the end. So, but yeah. yeah. So, what do you think we do with him? Because I don't know. I think the best th- option is pray Douglas can play safety and then play Savage at slot. That's I think the only I think so. good option. That, that, that's I think so too because then then you have your slot corner, which we have three outside corners. Um, Savage seems better at slot than at safety, so we got to hope that Douglas can move back to safety, and then we have at least one safety um, for yeah. next year. That's what I'm crossing my fingers on right now is that Douglas can actually play safety. Yeah, and but- take advantage of some ball hawking, facing the quarterback, 
and uh, reading the play like he did on his pick against Miami. Miami, he was um, in the flat and dropped back. So not Miami. He dropped back because well, I, mean, I think he read the play and knew who it was going to. Yeah, but I wouldn't say that was – that's nothing that's going to translate to safety play. He mostly just baited. He mostly just baited Tua into throwing a kind of an out against what he thought was like. A, I think it was like a. He thought Russell was playing just the flat, and then Russell just. But I think a lot of his right best his plays, even last year, were when he's facing the quarterback. Yeah, he he's a better zone player than he is a man player. He's not fast enough to keep up with some of these guys in man. Is the problem? So maybe he's better at safety. Um, I worry a little bit, a lot of bit about his speed back at safety because yeah. you're going to get Amos, beat over the top. Amos, his speed's about the same as Amos's. His does play speed is not the same as Amos's, in my opinion. And eh, maybe okay. it is. That, maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. I just it's it's a lot to ask your one starting safety who's probably going to be starting next to a rookie next year, a guy who's to be a guy who's never played the position before. <laughs> like that's a little scary to me. And the safety the safety position. I mean, the corner position. I feel okay about. Like I said, safety position is so scary next year. It's so scary. We've seen what having bad safeties does to a defense. Do you remember? The haha Clinton Dix Kentrell Bryce season, you remember yeah. that? How awful that defense was, despite like having decent talent at other places. Like, it was really bad. It's bad yeah. not having good safeties. It's not. It's it's horrible. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about Savage? Because I think the prayer is he plays slot next year, and you have another guy play safety, and it's Douglas. And yeah, I don't know. In some ways, I have like a couple, you know, a couple of things. It's even though it was a big disappointment this year, I. Don't think we can say it was a big surprise. I knew you were because, gonna say that. it was so disrespectful, but you're not wrong. Because it, it really wasn't his twenty twenty one year wasn't good either. With with his two years under Barry have not been good. And a lot of people were really surprised the Packers picked up his fifth year option because twenty twenty one wasn't very good. And per, and and the other thing is like perhaps his best best path going forward is a position change. Yeah. Um and so one one thing in terms of the contract, Green Bay could lower his. So he's got like six, seven point nine million, about eight million, with the uh, fifth year option for him. And if they need to save cash, they could extend him. Um, that's scary yeah. to me. And, and, and so here's the thing, and I've heard a lot of people. I've heard a lot of people say that this. early. Well, here, I've heard a lot of people say this. It shouldn't be that surprising. He was drafted to play in Mike Pettin's scheme. Like he can't play in Joe Barry's scheme. Apparently not. Which, yeah, I don't, like he wasn't drafted to play this role. You'd think he'd be able to do it still, but I guess not because, I mean, we've seen it, just, it hasn't gone well. Um, yeah. so let's move on to our next safety, though, Dad. Uh, Rudy Ford, what you got him? So his guy basically signed off the street after he was cut by Jacksonville. I was like, oh, this guy's going to be our, you know, another special teamer. And I remember the kind of the fun of Ford and Nixon gunning and like, uh, Surrounding the ball, or even you know things weren't necessarily going so well early in the season, but he's but he's a little old. He's been in the league for six years. He's twenty eight. He he played um, a decent amount on defense actually, four hundred forty three snaps with the vast majority of them three hundred eight at free safety, and the rest were in the of uh, uh, some in the box and a few in the slot, and the most defensive snaps of his career. So he didn't get he got to his sixth year in the in the NFL before he got to his uh, peak uh, defensive snaps. Had, last year, he had 423 for Jacksonville. Before that, it had only been a handful of defensive snaps here and there. He had his best PFF grade on defense by far this year, 77.7 this year, compared to only 57.7 for Jacksonville last year. Um, and best coverage grade by far as well. He had three interceptions and one pass breakup. Um, he did give up three touchdowns, but still, uh, and gave up 109 pass rating against per per PFF. So it's kind of up and down. Um, his best games of the year came against Philly and Dallas. So against you know good competition when he when he played well. So he wasn't just feasting on on the dregs. Um, and and basically took the starting job for a while partway through the year um, at safety. And then I, uh, had I do think then, he then, got then, kind then, of figured out. Like, and then they, then he got uh, demoted again. Yeah, because he he had a couple nice games there, but I think he kind of got figured out by opposing coordinators. Like, yeah, that guy right there, circle him. We're going after that guy because I yeah I, I don't know. It worked for a couple weeks, and he's got some speed, but yeah, he's got some speed. When I didn't look at it, details like is it like is it can he like you know be you know tricked into a um. 
cutting in or like follow the eyes and be, you know, sent the wrong way too easily. I'm not sure exactly what it was they figured out about him. He's yeah. not under contract for next year. Um, and he was signed mostly to play special teams. Yeah. For essentially, it, the, for essentially the minimum after being cut by Jacksonville. And if they want to bring him back on a similar like minimum deal contract, like he was a great gunner. And he was an yeah. okay, like he was an okay safety. He, I don't want to, I don't want to poo poo on his parade too much because, like, he was not expected to come here and play safety, and he did fine. Like, he took the starting job for a little bit. That's way more than anyone should have ever expected out of Rudy Ford coming into this year. And he was an elite gunner. He was a really good gunner, like a really good gunner. Yep, I thought so too. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think they, they probably will bring him back. I don't think he's going to cost much. I don't think he's ever had a very big contract in his career. Um, and I think for a depth, you don't want him to be one of your top two safeties, but he might, he, he, he might be, be. He, he would be right now if they, that if they sign him, I think. So scary. He might be their top one safety. <laughs> like, honestly, going into next year, if they move Savage down to the slot, like he might be the guy. Um, yep. but let's, so, we could talk about a couple of deep um, deep bench players that yeah, got let's, some snaps, or we don't have to spend as much time as I've. We're getting a little on long them. on. We're getting a little long on time. Let's just touch on them really quick. Do you want to just you want to just give us the quick spiel on these guys? I can give a quick up? spiel on each one. Where you know Ennis Gaines has been on and off the practice squad. He's only had a few snaps. Um, you don't really expect too much out of him. He's currently signed for 2023, um, according to Spot Track and Over the Cap. So at least he'll be in training camp. Most likely, whether he makes yeah. a team again, uh, yeah, he's often and mostly a special teamer. Um, and then Tariq Carpenter, who was a safety slash linebacker, basically drafted for special teams. Um, he's 23 years old, seventh round rookie. Um, only played 17 de- defensive snaps, but uh, compared to 120 on special teams. Mm-hmm. So minimal defensive contributions as a safety really he's got three years left as contract he'll he'll probably he'll be still around because he's cheap and he's doing okay in special teams um i I thought he's a break glass in case of an emergency safety essentially Mm -hmm. yeah i I thought i thought carpenter was really good on special teams actually i thought he was really good on special teams i I wouldn't be he's a yeah he's got a great you know size speed profile it's not much of a turn bigger safety at not much of a turning guy. More of a no, not, more of a no, run in a straight line guy. He can. He's like yeah. He's because he's like two thirty. Um, big and Zoolander. So big and big Zoolander vibes. Straight line and really poor agility. So yeah, not I mean, much for changing direction. But that's that's an ideal like gunner special teamer. Like that's that's yeah. what you drafted him for. He's just like rounder. I'm going. I'm going right at that ball. Yeah, and I'm not stopping until I get to that ball. And he was, I thought he was, that's a fine role for him. Like, there's, there's, a, there's room yeah. in that for the NFL. Like, there's that, room, that, and, yeah. and you know, maybe he'll develop into uh, being able to add more on, on defense in the future. We'll see. And I and think, a, I think that would be more at like a linebacker position than it would be at a safety yeah. position. Personally, hybrid, but. maybe linebacker. If anybody wants to play in that kind of style, it'd be <laughs> might, it might fit with him being he a slightly bigger safety slash linebacker. Even if he just, can't change direction and cover just, anybody he can't turn underneath, and run. Like, he can't, he can't actually. Turn. cover anybody who's going to change direction in front of him like a tight end or running back but but, but I'm that's fine another, with him. that's that's a god but he's he's I fine think in be the, the team role. he's fine in that role yeah. as a special teamer which is fine he shouldn't yeah. have if he has and, to do more then we have a bigger problem but he might yep. with how the safety position looks so we'll, he's yeah. third on the and, depth I, chart i think we'll see this. he's going to be on the team next year he'll play safety in an emergency yes um hopefully and then beyond that level was kind of similar played special teams hardly he was good, any fine special teamer he was fine yeah. it, it was okay um yeah. but not great uh and uh but he he was like second in, in snaps in special teams with 305 yeah um and, and hardly only one snap on defense so hardly played hardly a safety at all really yeah and then they, they signed a um, futures contract like kind of like we um james wiggins exactly so, big thoughts on the safety position the safety position I think this is the position that needs an infusion of talent more than any other position group on the roster. On the roster, I think this is their number one need in the offseason is safety. I am yeah. so worried about this position next year. And, and this I is why we're say, this is why we're doing these episodes so we know so we can kind of set the stage for our future offseason episodes talking about the draft and talking about free agency. This we talked a lot about in the last episode. They probably need some interior D-line help. They need some edge help. Linebackers pretty good. I think safety is their number one need. 
edges number two as we're kind of wrapping up our defensive ones on defense i think overall on the whole team safety is the number one need safety is overall number one. on the Offensive whole team defense. edge is the number two but let's talk about safety because that's the number one need because they got no one to play that position right now yeah the other thing i'd say about the safety group as a whole you could actually point to the poor performance of their starting safeties that more than any other group could be pointed to for the disappointing defensive performance these are two players who normally play like almost 100 percent of the snaps so they're always on the field Yep. They had, and, and Amos has always, had always been good for the Packers, and Savage had had some good years for the Packers. With them both underperforming the same year, I think it really um, is one of the reasons why you can say well, the defense didn't improve this year to what we may have been expecting. I 100% agree. And safety position, like a lot of times, they're in charge of the communication on the back end. And the communication yep. on the back end was awful this year. The whole year. Like, they yeah. were blowing coverages left and right. Who was speaking Esperanto and who was, uh, yeah. you know, trying to uh, determine what the pronunciation was for uh, linear A? Yeah, and it's it's like the this they didn't cover well. The whole secondary was bad, which I think you – maybe not is all the fault of the safeties, but at, I think more than on the corners, it's on the safeties. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, so, I, overall. And then with Amos underperforming and not under contract – and Savage may be moving to slot corner, and on the last year of his contract... You got no safeties. The team should none. be looking to add at least one top-tier starter Yes, early in the draft. If they and, and, and then more. I would not be surprised if they use that 15th overall pick as at, like, at the safety position. And we'll talk a lot about who we like at the safety position in the draft going forward. Wouldn't be surprised at all if they take a safety in the first round. Which sucks, because they took Savage in the first round. And that was the plan was for that to, to work out, and it didn't. And I really liked Savage coming out of the draft. So maybe it don't worked out for a, it seemed to be working out for a couple of years. And his last year under Petten, he kept getting better and better as that year was going on. And in a uh, year, I guess that was year two. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's, there's still more to talk about, like the whole defensive back group um, yeah. as a whole, you know, coaching. Yeah. You want to talk, talk about coaching? Let's talk a little bit about coaching. So Jerry Gray was the defensive backs coach for this year, uh, defensive backs and passing game coordinator. Dad, how do you how do you feel like you did? You know, we talk about how some things seem to be going, but I also felt like is he the person on the defensive side of the the ball coaching that I trust the most? To which is though, though there was so much that it's was going not wrong. Saying it's hard a whole to lot. point. It's hard to say who's to blame. And here's the thing: he is very well liked and well respected by the players. Which I think and players really improved a lot when he first got there. Yeah, Amos and Savage um, were, were playing really well for him when he first got there, but he's not under contract anymore, according to Rob Domoski. Uh, yeah, he tweeted that he's not actually under contract, and he has and, interviewed with Chicago and Atlanta. Yes, although Atlanta today hired a defensive coordinator. Oh, so okay, I missed that. That uh, spot is now taken, did. but he has interviewed for multiple DC jobs. He is not under contract for next year as the defensive backs coach. I would like him to be back, even though the secondary, I think, was one of the more disappointing units of the year. I don't know how much of that is on him. I don't know how much is on Barry. I think it's a split. I would probably say 70-30 on Barry, but at least 30% on, at least 30% on Jerry Gray. I think the coaching was not good enough because no matter if it's Barry or Jerry Gray, I don't think we're really going to know. I think we can agree that the coaching was not good enough because you have a lot of talent back there. And none of it, I think, performed up to their like top level. Like Jair was good, but we, I think we both agree he can be better. Rasul was good, but I think we both agree he can be better. Stokes was really bad. Savage was really bad. And Amos had his worst year of his career, probably. So whether that's just players not playing well, at some point, it's also on the coaches because it's all the players not playing up to their standard. And I think I want to give at least some of the um, issues to Jerry Gray because while they did have a good passing game defense, like not, I don't think any of the individual players played all that well. And we're not really put into great positions to succeed either, which, you know, him or Barry, it's one of the two. I, let's give blame to both because why not? Yeah, and maybe, yeah, the... And maybe he doesn't want to come back because have, he's tired of he's tired might, of Joe Barry telling him to tell his guys to play off. Right. We may have conflicting defensive philosophies that in conflict are worse than either one alone. Well, do you remember the quote where Oh yeah. 
Do you want to? Do you want to run <laughs> you it? Wanna, yeah, go ahead, give it. No, go ahead. Go, go ahead. It. Go ahead. Go ahead. You you seemed more excited than I. <laughs> Just well, it was. I do it. Well, I get. I don't know if I'll get it right, but it was like I'm coaching them to play the defense that we're supposed to run. Yes, or they something asked, like that. They asked him essentially why the guys are playing Ooh. off, and he's like, "I'm just telling them what the defensive coordinator is telling me to do," and it it definitely seemed like he was not happy with what the defensive coordinator was telling him to do. So I I don't know, Dad. And as we kind of wind down here and talk about the secondary as a whole, I want Jerry Gray back. I don't know if he's going to be back because it seems he's still listed as their passing game coordinator on the Packers.com website. I just checked. Which he's, is he hasn't interesting been considering the word has been he doesn't he's not under contract. Yes. Um, and I think I think the Packers probably want him back. I don't know if he wants to be back, but I think they, they need more from the coaching staff to put these guys, I think, in position. Kind of wrapping up our thoughts, I think the whole secondary was one of the more disappointing units on the year, especially with the talent there and the hype it had coming into the year. I put a lot of that on the coaching. Um, Barry and Gray not putting their players in the position to succeed. Jerry Gray would put a lot of that on Barry, it sounds like. Um, although I do think they made some improvements in that um, area as the year went on, letting them play a little more press. But ultimately, it wasn't enough. Um do you have any more thoughts before we kind of wrap this up? I'm getting a little long. I think that's it. I think we're good. Okay. Well, yeah. So that was our breakdown of the secondary, the corners, and the safeties, how we felt they played this year, what we think needs to change going forward. Safety is going to be such a roller coaster next year. Hopefully a fun one. Hopefully they draft like a first rounder who's really good, and then they get like a fourth round steal, and they can start both of them. Or Rasul Douglas comes in and starts a safety and is amazing right away. We can dream. Why not? But thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, come give us, give us a follow on Twitter. We tweet out when we have new episodes. We tweet out articles we find interesting, Packers news and notes. Everything this offseason, come give us a follow. We'll be doing, oh, our at our handle, sorry, is at FatherSonPacker. Come give us a follow. We're going to be doing one episode every week. Uh, we have two more episodes to break down the off- offensive side of the ball. And then we're going to get into free agency in the draft, which is one of my favorite things. You can find these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, etc. And if you really like what you hear, come subscribe to us on YouTube because we post all of our episodes there and it would really help our numbers. So that'd be pretty cool. But anyway, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. And as we always say, Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.